everyone has some sort of a closet that has become too small. A closet is no place to live, and I want to support as many people as I can in stepping out of that prison into the fullness of life that is waiting for them on the other side of that door. This is Nancy Shadlock from Centered Life Coaching. Join me in listening to these coming out chronicles. Get curious about their stories and then go see what good things are waiting for you on the other side of your closet door. The other day, I got a call from a friend of mine who said, Nance, I have someone perfect for your podcast. I was in a university class and this trans woman started sharing about her experience of being at a Christian university and what that's been like and connected us. And I was like, yes, this is perfect. And in the interview, you'll hear Sky talk about how she was kind of like intimidated about coming on the show. And what am I going to share? I'm, I'm still in the midst of this journey. And you have people that have been coaching and people that have been on the presidential campaign, like prime minister team and all these different things. And um, I think, yeah, it's, it's important to hear all kinds of voices of people that are in coming out stories right now that have gone through them years ago. So you can hear all the things that have happened for them since. And so I just wanted to share that's how people get on the podcast. If you have an idea of someone that should be on the podcast, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. If you want to share your story on the podcast and you're ready for the next chapter of your coming out journey, let me know. Spoiler alert, it will accelerate the next chapter of your coming out journey because visibility is liberty and it opens up all kinds of doors, all kinds of beautiful things. And I can't wait to offer that gift to you. Also, I wanted to mention that as per usual, there are some themes of suicidal ideation and things like that in this podcast. So pay attention or skip it if that's not your gig. But with these kinds of tender stories, there are themes like that. I can't wait for you to hear this story. If something in Sky's story stands out to you today and you'd like to be in touch with her, just get in touch with me and I will connect you both. Sky McCormick, it's so awesome to have you on the show today. It's awesome to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am a transgender woman who is currently studying for her degree in uh, behavioral sciences at Ambrose University here in Calgary. Um, I've had a long history in the music scene. I uh, play saxophone and have for a long time. So yeah, there's that. And uh, <laughs> I, yeah, that's really where I'm at right now. It's a, it's a short list because I'm young. <laughs> <laughs> How young are you? I'm, I'm 21. Awesome. Okay, so let's jump into it. I'm so curious to hear what is the nature of your coming out story? The nature of my coming out story? Um, gosh, it's really about overcoming the expectations of other people and kind of accepting who I am, where I am, and what I need. Um, I was raised in a, a Roman Catholic household, a very strict Roman Catholic household. Um, my grandmother actually who raised me was an immigrant from Italy. 
straight from Italy, a small town. Um, and so growing up as a uh, young assigned male at birth uh, kid was very, you have your roles, you're supposed to be strong, you're supposed to provide, you're supposed to, you know, do the, the handiwork, you know, you don't touch the food, you're not allowed to clean, right? like that, that very strict dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Um, but n- things didn't really stick that well. Uh, I was always a, an emotional, sensitive kid. I always uh, cried a lot uh, when I was a kid, and all, all my cousins made fun of me for it. Um, because, you know, boys, boys don't cry. Yeah. But, you know, the, <laughs> you, you were taught things as a kid. And since you're a kid, you, you follow along with what you're told and what people want from you. And, uh, that was kind of how things stayed for a long time, at least on the surface level. Um, until about just over, just over a year ago when I went to Disney World with my family. And it was uh, November-ish. We went down for a family vacation. And I remember we were walking around Magic Kingdom and just thinking, I am in the happiest place on earth right now. Why am I not happy? Why am I not like feeling that joy the same way I did, you know, the last time I went like four or five years ago or when I went as a kid, like what, what's missing. Um, And it was that final kind of realization that like, oh, I think it's my gender. (laughs) And I spent a lot of that time on that uh, vacation because I have a little sister and she's uh, in her teens. And so she likes to sleep a lot. And so half the vacation was basically spent in the hotel room while everyone else slept, <laughs> which is a waste of a Disney trip, if you ask me. But right. in hindsight, it gave me a lot of extra time to uh, research and look things up. I, I went into a frenzy, basically having that realization of just like, how do you know? How do you know? How do you like, where's the confirmation? Is there a test to take? Is there a, mm. like a, a, is there a permit to fill? Right. <laughs> right. Um, because really in, in my family, if you were going to say something, if you were de- going to declare something, you had to back it up, mm-hmm. right? You needed proof. You needed evidence. That's how schools work. Even if you're going to say something, you need a why. Here's the answer. Prove your work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I went to a frenzy of, of research and contacting uh, other friends that I had that were trans um, until finally I was like, yeah, no, this is this is where I'm at. And that's, uh, I, th- I think this is, you know, true to, to myself. And it finally came to on, um, we went to the animal kingdom that day and we went to go on some of the new avatar themed, right? Like James Cameron avatar has like a section in Disney world and it's wild. Cause I didn't know avatar was a Disney property. <laughs> no. Um, but the ride, basically the story of the ride is that they, set you up with a avatar uh, navi to go ride the flying creatures i don't remember what they're called but i remember being in that ride and just going well here's you know the the consequence free buy-in to Mm -hmm. do a mental experiment of what happens if 
I just pretend for a minute that I am uh, not uh, biologically male. If, if I am in a body that is uh, female and just, um, you know, have that thought experiment. And I remember that alone, that like agency to do that was so breathtaking. Mm. Um, <laughs> to kind of be able to put aside the expectation of, you know, you are a 20 year old male music student at a Christian college who was raised in your religion, uh, even went to like Christian schools all my life, all that, having that ability to just put everything aside and all those expectations aside and just live in that moment was um, almost blinding. It was so, so relieving. Um, and it's, it's been a journey since. What did that feel like? It's like, hmm. There's really like, I'm searching for words. And as much as I can like, say like, oh, it was a relief or oh, it was so fulfilling or uh, just breathtaking. The experience even now looking on it over a year later is still something that is beyond a definition uh, mm -hmm. for me. Um, because like, yes, that was the moment that acceptance happened, but uh, I have ADHD. Uh, memory's never been a strong suit, and especially when um, you're struggling with traumatic experiences, you tend to kind of dissociate or block those memories off or mm -hmm. uh, other things like that. And living with undiagnosed gender dysphoria my entire life, pretending that like, oh, yeah, no, everyone has that. Everyone, you know, has that thought of like, oh, if I met a genie, I'd wish to be I'd wish for like shape-shifting powers to be the opposite gender. Like that, everyone would do that, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so ever since that moment, there's just been uh, like memories popping up out of nowhere, being like, oh yeah, no, I did do that thing. Or I had that thought or, oh no, I absolutely came out to myself in, 20, in like 2013, um, years ago. And just thinking, no, I can't do this right now. I have to wait until I move out. Hmm. And then just shoving it in a box somewhere. Right. Um, <laughs> because, you know, everyone has that thought. You're not special. You're not, you know, like that was the, the mental process. It was like, nope, you can't do that. It's not acceptable. You know, people expect you to be X, Y, and Z based on, on gender expectation within religion and Western society and everything else. Um, and so finally being able to like, wait a second, when did, who said I had to care <laughs> about that? Mm -hmm. who, who said that I don't get to, you know, make my own expectations for myself. Um, and so having that moment to like put all that aside and, <laughs> Uh, face that and come to terms with it and then move forward from there even has been so good.
Yeah. Tell me what's happened for you. Well, um, <laughs> after uh, coming out to myself, I don't think I actually came out to my parents until maybe a few weeks later. Because um, I was terrified to do so, but I also knew I wasn't going to get anywhere uh, without knowing, um, without having my parents know. Because I still live in their house, um, <laughs> which is, uh, God, I hate having to address that, like, the fact that I still live at home and am a trans person is lucky. Mm. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely that, like, I am not going to be able to, like, sneak out of the house every week to go to therapy without them knowing and noticing something's up. So it just came clean. And then I, I was like, okay, well, like, this is who I am. And the first thing my mother says to me in response is, does this mean you like boys? <laughs> I'm like, no, no, sexuality and gender are different, mom. Mm -hmm. um, and there was that conflict. I, I think there always is when you uh, tell your parents and they're uh, not as up to date with uh, social uh justice issues um but i told them and then i reached out to a whole bunch of organizations in calgary uh started you know pulling on the little thread of like how do i actually make this happen how do i actually get there how do i uh get reach the ability to just wake up every morning and be myself hmm. um i ended up stumbling into a group called skipping stones here in town which mm -hmm. is a nonprofit that is specifically for helping uh, gender non the gender non-conforming and transgender community in Calgary. Um, and that's been great. And that really just accelerated all the um, medical stuff. And, you know, they, they got me in touch with a counselor and a therapist and a, you know, doctor and everything else. But aside from the, the medical side of it, which is um, not universal for all trans people. Some people want it, some people don't, and all are valid. But, um, gosh, I had been pursuing music for years. It was the hugest part of my identity. It was, you know, being an ADHD kid, my grades were never the best in school. I never, you know, was that straight-A student. Um, but the one thing I constantly got you know, 90s to 100% in was band, was in music. Hmm. And so I was like, well, I'm not good at anything else. I might as well dive into that. And so I've been, I, you know, had just poured myself into band in my grade 12 year. I was in like four or five different ensembles for the school. Um, like my week day in, day out was just playing music. And I followed that into university. It's how I landed on at Ambrose was uh, that they had a music program. And between U of C and Ambrose, Ambrose sent me the acceptance letter, U of C didn't. Hmm. Uh, so that's how that played out. And, you know, I'd been studying there. I'd been going, going, going. And then I, you know, took that moment was like, well, do I really want to do music as a career? Hmm. Or is it just something that other people wanted me to do because I was good at it? Um, and I kind of stumbled across... Um, this memory and looking through all the memories of high school of like, what did I actually like about being in band in high school? 
what I actually like about being in Bandon University. Do I like being in Bandon University? The answer was not really, uh, <laughs> because what made it for me was the people. I enjoyed being in band so much because I liked the people in that group. I liked the people that I was able to help along the way. In high school, I <laughs> basically played uh, played therapist for a little bit because <laughs> every last um, person at my high school with a mental illness or was queer or was going through ridiculous amounts of stress and trauma due to their life situation or house or identity crisis or anything else just ended up in my friend group. Hmm. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that I help those people any more than just being a friend to them. But that was the most important thing for me in high school was making sure that all my friends were supported and loved and, you know, <laughs> trying to avoid the more serious sides of it. Um, we're still here. Yeah. We're still, uh, you know, waking up every morning, eating food, taking a drink, you know, taking care of themselves. And I remember a specific memory where a friend texted me after they went to the Philharmonic Orchestra and they went, you know, we're going to play this encore of Somewhere Over the Rainbow, the, um, Hawaiian artist, I forget his name, mm -hmm. who... Israel? Yes, yes, who plays it so beautifully. And they texted me afterwards and they went, hey, um, I was just at the Philharmonic with my family and they played this and dedicated it to everyone who's been dealing with mental health issues and identity issues and just struggle and trauma and everything else. And when they were playing it, I couldn't help but think of you and how like when I was in my darkest moment and darkest times, you helped remind me that there was people, there were people out there who loved me hmm. and wanted to take care of me. And I went, what am I doing music for? <laughs> like, it's good, but I have <laughs> the ability to help people. Hmm. Um, and so I jumped from the music program into social sciences. Um, <laughs> I've been somehow become a, a person who's speaking out against Ambrose's less uh, savory opinions um, by really just living my life as a, a trans woman hmm. um, and just, you know, not just refusing to like let things slide. And so it, it's just been a huge change and a huge jump to like, I can do this because I'm good at it. Or I can do this other thing because it's something that I feel so connected to and it's something that I can provide for other people and it's something that we need more of in the world, mm -hmm. right? Um, Lord knows we don't need another band. But another queer-affirming therapist or another gender therapist that is going to be increase the like accessibility to those services it's one of the hardest things for, in my experience anyway, it's one of the hardest things for trans people to get a hold of is, is a community that is affirming mm -hmm. and people who are there to help and support them uh, beyond just um, casual ways in a, in a professional way. So yeah, that's kind of been the, hmm. the journey. That is powerful. Yeah. I, I was, uh, <laughs> I was a little intimidated, honestly, about, coming on and, and uh, sharing a story like that 
<laughs> because like listening to stories where you've talked with somebody who's like worked with the prime minister or like, <laughs> done a TED talk or all these wonderful people who uh, seem to have an, an end to their story or some sort of segment um, <laughs> along the way I was a little intimidated because I'm still kind of in that mm -hmm. middle to end part uh, myself so that's exactly why you should be here so that others can hear themselves in your story and mm -hmm. how inspiring is that going to be for people yeah. that can hear who are in the middle of their stories and like what am i doing with my life and how can i let go of what other people want me to do and really yeah. lean into what i feel called to mm -hmm. yeah that was that ended up being the goal when i was hyping myself up before joining the meeting i was like okay <laughs> like i can come up here and just talk about how it's been so hard or how it's been you know a struggle because it has there there are moments you know mm -hmm. but like what what i want people to take away from it you know what, what do i want people to hear once they leave what do i want them to like take into the next day or the day after or how they interact with the next trans person they meet or yeah. how they even interact with themselves right is just um reflecting having that reflection and going well is this actually me or is it what's expected of me mm -hmm. right and and having that uh that bravery or, or the resilience to actually answer answer those questions honestly because you know i had 10 15 like 10 15 years of answering that dishonestly to myself and it, it's hard it's hard to answer those questions honestly um especially with bigger stuff like gender identity or, or sexual identity even right it's it's why so many people stay in the closet for so long yeah right so what would you want someone like how would you want them to interact with the next trans person they meet Oh boy. <laughs> I will start this by saying I cannot speak for every last trans person. But really at the end of the day, just treat it treat people like they're humans. Hmm. Right? Just the amount of basic respect that you have for every other person that you meet should be extended to a trans person. Um and even beyond that you know, going the extra mile of like, well, what are your pronouns? And just normalizing that statement to everyone. Mm -hmm. um, even in the online atmosphere, we see, I'm seeing more people now than ever that have their pronouns in their social media bios. And that's such a hu huge thing because it normalizes um, the use of pronouns because everyone uses them, right? It, whether you're born into them or choose them later, everyone uses pronouns right um and so having that respect for people's identities people's pronouns is very very important mm -hmm. um and can be so affirming and i know for myself it really makes or breaks the idea of i can trust this person or not um and there's like a difference between like oops i slipped and i'm purposely not using it mm -hmm. and more often than not, I can tell. I don't know if that's the same for, you know, all I can't speak for all trans people, but there is a difference. Mm -hmm. um, and if someone does slip up, 
just like quickly apologize yeah, and just just a quick like oh sorry just yeah or i'll i'll even take like a oh well he she like right shake your head and just like oh, erase you gotta etch a sketch <laughs> yeah exactly uh, i don't know who else does it but brain's like an etch a sketch yeah do a bad just give it a little shake <laughs> like start it. over uh This episode of The Coming Out Chronicles was brought to you by Centered Life Coaching. We help you know yourself, to free yourself, and be yourself, so you can live the fullest expression of who you really are. Stay tuned, there's more to come in this episode. So it sounds like you've listened to quite a few of the episodes. Yeah, I wanted to share some of the backstories from some like um, Katura came on one of the first ones and she shared about her experience at a Christian boarding school in Kenya. Mm -hmm. And then Joe also came on later and also went to that boarding school. And I also went to that school. And so it's been interesting, like Katura shared her coming out, her next coming out chapter. She was like, I guess it's like, just becoming more visible. And then sure enough, like this whole thing opened up afterwards where she created a page for RVA students mm -hmm. who have come out or are allies and it's grown over a hundred people. And it's so cool to see that. And next week we're going to meet and talk with some of the admin there. And it's just oh, it's incredible so cool. to hear some of this movement that's happening from getting visible. Yeah. And so I guess like, my question for you would be, what would your best hope be for a Christian university like Ambrose to become more inclusive? Well, I think, gosh, Ambrose is in such an interesting state because there are queer students there. They are there. I know that because they're my yeah. friends. I've met them uh, there too. <laughs> met them. Uh, I believe, uh, no, I'm not going to name drop anyone because it's going up online. <laughs> but uh, maybe afterwards I can compare a list of people that I think we both know. Um, they're there. Uh, we just started a, uh, there's a club actually now starting. There's a, a little support group kind of club called Prism starting. Uh, I'm not in, I'm not in any way like in control of that group or in any sort of uh, dominant position in that group. I'm just a person who attends, but they're doing some excellent stuff. Um, but really with Ambrose and, um, you know, especially queer issues and, and gender issues and creating a space that is safe uh, for queer people, it, the the goal really like the if i if i had a magic wand uh would be to just be able to remove those uh old conservative views that are very harmful and just replace them with more forward facing uh views more more you know progressive views cuz um i know it's been removed as of late but there was a time where uh, homosexual activity was treated on the same level as academic dishonesty. Mm. And that's not okay. 
mm-hmm. because somebody's identity, somebody's sexuality shouldn't be treated like it's a, a, a crime, right? Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be punishable like that. Um, and it's, uh, it's a long way to go because even though that's been removed, the atmosphere is still there. I don't think there's a, a single day in class because I am taking a lot of philosophy, uh, psychology and sociology. And so people are asking about society and culture and how we interact with each other. And I don't think there's been a single class yet where a question has been asked or something's been said that isn't casually homophobic. Mm. Um, Can you give us an example? Like, what does that look well, like? Well, I just had a midterm earlier this week. And one of the questions was, uh, it was a sociology question about, you know, uh, what what uh, definition fits this example that we've given. And the example given is, a man and a woman flirt. It's like, well, you didn't have to specify that. You could have Just said say, two people. Yeah. Or even if you wanted to, like keep it within the so like sociology realm you could have said a dyad which is just the sociology term for a group of two people mm-hmm. it's less words it's more efficient but although it wasn't important for the question you specified man and woman mm-hmm. i know it's a very small nitpicky thing but it is um a exclusive language that very subtly and very um, in a microaggression type fashion, marginalizes trans and uh, gender ident- uh, and sexualities. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I even had, <laughs> uh, I had a student, not well, I had a classmate um, bring up the topic of LGBT rights in uh, in Canada, and that was really awesome that they did that research. And they were like, well, you know, there's a a really high suicidality rate and there's a high amount of uh, non-acceptance for queer identities and I'm pretty sure they're related. Neither of the articles that I found said, oh yeah, it's because of this thing or it's because of that thing. But when you have, when you live in a society that doesn't accept you for who you are, one could, you know, take a little, a little, just a little walk in somebody else's shoes and go, oh yeah, I could see how that would affect my mental health in such a, be- in such a way. Mm-hmm. And one of the first questions asked was, uh, well, did they actually say that? Did it actually say there's a correlation? <laughs> I'm like, well, I understand if it's genuine cur- curiosity, but the, the invalidation of that theory just because the scientific study hasn't said so was like mm, really because like i live that experience daily i think mm-hmm. like you do and a whole bunch of my friends do and no living in a society that's like no you're you're not supposed to be here you don't belong here that alienation uh, alienation and marginalization absolutely can have that effect and as much as you know in academia we love to assign values and tributes to things and you know numbers and statistics you get lost in it, right? You gotta, I've never been a a big numbers and academics person. It's about what's happening on on the ground, what's happening Mm -hmm. in my immediate circle, what's happening in Calgary, and then branching out like that. So listening, 
listening to marginalized voices is mm -hmm. such an important thing. And I'd love and, to see Ambrose do it a little more. And validating them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that same class, I actually said that. I said, well, we should be listening to, you know, LGBTQ voices on these things and hearing and actually comprehending what we can do to support them. Mm -hmm. um, and the professor went, yeah, that's, that's what you need to do. And then 10, 15 minutes later, uh, she used the term transsexual, which is a little old and a little outdated. And in my opinion, not the greatest word because it has a link to the uh, pathologizing of trans identities and, and curve version therapy and that line, we can keep pulling on it. And I went, well, professor, that's an outdated term. We really should be using transgender. And then the professor went, no, 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 it's a perfectly valid sociological term. Wow. And I was like, wow, you really just went, we should be listening to minorities. And then when somebody who actually is that relevant minority said, hey, don't do that. You just went, no, 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 it's fine. Wow. Right. And I remember I like immediately messaged like all of my friends. I was like, oh my God, you won't believe what just happened. Because uh, a lot of them did go to Ambrose and do go to Ambrose, right? And so it's it's one of those like, oh my gosh, really? Like, God. <laughs> right? I, I had a friend of mine even uh, say like, oh, I was in class today and I mentioned that, you know, I'm gender nonconforming. I use they, them. And somebody was just like, and you know, how it's hard for me to be here at, at Ambrose because it's not always the most accepting environment. And one of my classmates just went, well, leave then. Hmm. Well, you know, I what if I could first off, but that's a different conversation. But the attitude to take towards uh, people, queer people in a Christian institute, well, not Christian, sorry. Yeah, Christian, Catholic is the, I get it confused. I'm, <laughs> I walk, kind of walked away from my faith a while ago. Uh, it's all become a mush since, but the attitude to take isn't well leave then if you don't agree, mm -hmm. because I think it's something that you've been focusing a lot in this podcast and with a lot of your uh, interviews is reconciling faith and identity for, for queer people. That's been a big topic, right? And Ambrose should be an environment where people, queer people are able to do that um, and able to have that safe space within a religious space so it'd be great to see a little bit more of that and a little bit more just like yeah no this is an okay thing and it's okay to be here mm -hmm. right don't push away those who are different than you yeah learn from them <laughs> yeah yeah my whole thing lately has been i think that the divine is showing themselves to us through trans folks yeah, I, I'm not going to confirm or deny because uh, I'm not the divine. But I think I can't remember where I saw it. But there was a saying that's I think it was maybe a tweet or something. And it's that trans people exist. Because the divine wants to share the joy of creating. Um, it's why the divine gave um, people wheat and not bread because there is a intrinsic value in creating something. There is a emotional, spiritual value in creating. Mm -hmm. 
hmm. that I think we all can share in. And once again, I'm not a super religious person. Um, I'm a little bit of a witch, but that's different. <laughs> <laughs> it's similar, but not the same. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I think really anyone who is different is struggling is um going through something i'm not saying that you know uh, faith justifies the struggles or you know one of the least favorite things i ever heard in uh my roman catholic church was you know well if you're going through a hard time it's god teaching you something i'm like well like sure i'm gonna learn something from this hard time but invalidating that pain for you know the ultimate omnipotent being has a lesson for you to learn is just not helpful either mm -hmm. right um but yeah so what's your next coming out chapter oh boy <laughs> uh my next chapter of coming out well i guess i'm still in the middle of this one and this one is still kind of coming to terms with with myself uh coming to terms with the situation i'm in being a vocally queer person at ambrose uh for not only for myself but to kind of leave behind a more accepting space for whoever else seems to stumble into that school mm -hmm. or chooses to come and is just a, a queer person queer person of faith um being able to live leave that area uh a little bit more accepting, a little bit better than where when I found it. Mm -hmm. um, but beyond that, gosh, I don't know. It's a it's a big, huge, wide world out there, mm -hmm. um, and I still have a, a long path before I'm professionally ready to to help people. But I think it's finding ways to help any way I can. Um, whether that be, you know, reaching out to different communities, whether that be, uh, helping, uh, different organizations in town, like the pride organizations and stuff, or just being a person that people can, uh, talk to and rely on. Right. It's so, beautiful. Yeah. My next coming out story, I guess, is to just continue to better myself so that I can help other people. Hmm. that's awesome it's a very worthy goal mm -hmm. <laughs> um, i'm still young i haven't lost that faith in humanity yet <laughs> no you need to keep bringing it <laughs> oh we, we all need that <laughs> this is not going anywhere <laughs> with the awesome. amount of everything that i've seen so far in, in my short amount of time mm -hmm. um no if it was gonna leave it'd be gone by now <laughs> so mm -hmm. no awesome well thank you for joining us here today sky thanks for having me i this was fun thanks for listening to the coming out chronicles if you enjoyed it and you think it would be helpful for someone else please share it with them if you'd like to connect with me reach out on social i'd love to support you in the next chapter of your coming out story I can help you know yourself, free yourself, and be yourself. 
Until next time, this is Nancy Shadlock from Centered Life Coaching.